to another episode of A Ghost in the Magazine. I'm Elle. I'm Mel. And I'm Al. And today we are here to talk about episode one of the new Mayfair Witches series, which Al and I had the displeasure of watching first thing in the morning. How about you, Mel? No, I'm definitely keeping it to the nighttime. It's not scary enough for nightmares, just gross. So, you know. <laughs> yes. That's a good description. Yeah. Not scary, just gross. Yeah, it's not yeah. super scary. So uh, I read these books a while ago, but I'm rereading them I'm with Steph with right Steph. now. And it's a wild ride. I will say that. Like, there's a lot of stuff I forgot on my first read. And there are a lot of choices that they made in this adaptation that have me really scratching my head and just, like, wondering what the fuck is going on. The first thing I want to talk about immediately, even though we don't really see it in this episode so much, we do see the character the characters introduced but they get rid of Michael and instead we have Cyprian because Al hasn't read the books yet I think we need to let her know who Michael is yes, please please I've seen your TikToks and I've seen the rage and I'm just like what is this dude's problem and I like Cyprian like you yeah. know at first I was like okay put a brother in there I like it but the characterization is wrong in terms of you know a pair for Rowan so well yeah and the idea of merging Michael and Aaron Leitner but Michael in the book is a trash bag of all the literary characters and all literary canon I hate Michael only less than Angel Claire and that's a big thing because I fucking hate Angel Claire if Michael was a real person I would find some way to fist fight him that's because Michael first of all is a classist piece of shit and he can go fuck himself he has like this whole long thing about why he doesn't fit in with his poor family because his mommy can from rich folks and that, that like, part after a whole chapter in the beginning Come of the on. book and praising his own like woodworking skills <laughs> He's a genius and that's why his business worked, not because he came from incredible privilege when he moved to uh, San Francisco. And then he goes on to rape a child and blame it because the child seduced him. And I hate Michael so much, but I feel like when they made the choice to cut Michael out, I was like, maybe they're going to take all the nasty Mona Mayfair shit out. I don't know. That's not even covered in this season. That's why I am kind of holding off on making a judgment on Cyprian because I want to see where they're going. If they made Cyprian so they could take the gross shit out of Michael, cool. I am 100% for that. I like Cyprian. If Cyprian rapes Mona Mayfair, I'm done. I'm out. I'm heading out. I'm packing up. I'm done. I can't see it going that direction, though, thus far. I'm caught up with the show, and I feel like now... Cyprian is way too empathetic and kind of, you know, savior-esque to really mold into that character. But I feel like someone has to, because all these other characters, like the Michael, show you that Rowan has a propensity for, like, rapey guys. (laughs) I mean, when she meets, like, a guy with integrity, she seems super bored. And the book kind of says that more. I think in the show, she's looking for firefighters who will spit on you, you know, that kind of thing. So I liked Michael for that reason. I'm like, this is the type of dude that Rowan fucks with. That helped the characterization for me. And for that reason, I can see why the greaseball that is Lasher would catch her eye. I want you to know that when I first messaged Mel about this show, because I had a poem I wrote about chapter six of The Witching Hour, 
and we were talking about Lasher, and you said he was somebody's uncle who hadn't come out of the closet yet. Seriously, look at that suit. He's like yeah. trying too hard to look metro, but also doesn't have the literal fashion sense of a modern gay. So I'm just not sure where they were going with that. And the low beard, you can't trust the low beard. Mm, yeah, like, no, no. Yeah. Not the A beard. Can't. It's too close to a neck beard. It's way too yeah. fucking close. He looks like a Walmart version of Matthew Barry and what we do in the shadows. He does. He's oh, like yeah. the American version of like the Walmart discount version of Laszlo. <laughs> they should have leaned all the way into that and just cast Matt Barry. Then I would have been 100% in on this. Like Cast Matt Barry yeah. everything. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, honestly, that would work better. Like just do that. At the same time, maybe just because some acting skills would have helped this character, but you know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> L, who did you picture in your mind as the perfect person to play Lasher? I don't know. I don't know that there is a perfect person. I think like height-wise, I'm thinking more like Adam Driver, somebody Ooh, that has yeah. that presence and can scare me. This man does yeah. not scare me. Those Nintendo 64 graphics that they put on his face in that scene do not scare me. Yes. Like, Weird. Yeah. Random. And like the only spot of CG for like a mile, other than like like, you know, I guess Cyprian's visions are a lot of CG, but that one was really weird. It's like, I can be anything. And it was all just faces, you know, it wasn't yeah. like yeah. a bunch of different entities, which I guess he tried to imply and then fell way short. So It looked like an Animorphs cover. <laughs> it was just like that weird shifting that just didn't quite make sense. I was like, this is strange. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Adam Driver. I like that though, because he's yeah. got the scary, sexy look and yeah. the big eyes and the pout, which... That was part of the description of Lasher, that he had eyes kind of overly big and mm -hmm. alien feet, you know, sort of look to his face. But yeah, yeah, this way. He does even like fit in in the first line, you know, when they're partying down the street later on. I'm like, he looks weird. Like, what funeral did you come from? <laughs> And he's not even a head. Like, he's a few inches taller than the actress that's playing young uh, Deirdre. And that mm -hmm. does not compute to me because, I mean, put him in lifts or something. Because Lasher is tall, dark, and terrifying. That's why you would be horny enough to fuck that man and get your uterus punted into the sun, okay? That's the only way that the next book works, okay? <laughs> Nobody is going to take that risk. Yeah. I'm not taking that risk. No. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure he's and a short nice king lover, but, you yeah. know. No, not for this. He doesn't feel ominous enough to be any sort of a threat or pay any attention to him. Like, until he's on screen, I'm like, oh, yeah, you. <laughs> You're back. Who are you? He's like, I'm seducing you. Is this working? No. And a lot of the casting choices are kind of interesting. So Rowan, I feel, is almost a completely different character than she is in the book. And the reason why, well, first of all, we have this vastly different visual of Rowan because in the book, Rowan is this skinny, blonde hair blue-eyed, doe-like. They even describe her as a gazelle. Mm -hmm. That's Michael's viewpoint, of course. I think that Alexandria Diadero, is that how you, I don't know how you say her last name, but she has very striking eyes, and so mm -hmm. that is kind of witch-like. I think she has, like, a aura around 
her. But the idea of Rowan in the book as being like this new type of witch that is more genetically compatible with Ataltos is kind right. of broken by the visual belonging that she has with her mother because she looks very similar to the actress that's playing Deirdre. So they go through extra steps to make them all look alike. I mean, the rest of them have contacts. I mean, if she doesn't, she might as well. But oh, I mean, she does. So young Deirdre definitely does. Um, in yeah. that first episode, she's got the eye thing going on. But I'm with you. Yeah, she was a little bit like more fair which is supposed yes. to be a part of the reason she caught his eye. And I'm like, no, 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 don't take out the part where, you know, Lasher is a racist. So, you know, <laughs> leave that in there. Leave it in there. But I agree. And she's always kind of like half crying and shaking. And in the book, she kind of is fierce, even at first, you know, she's not as much, oh my God, what did I just do? I'm a horrible person. She more was mm. like, oh my God, what did I just do? I have so much power. Yeah, Book Rowan is a bit of a sociopath. So the fact that this Rowan is going through these terrible inner turmoils over everything is a little different. It's different experience. I do think that they were going for it because instead of leaning into this romance with Michael, they're leaning into her power being what drives Mm. her to go back to New Orleans instead. And I agree with that. Like, we can do without that disgusting fucking (laughs) few chapters of them fucking. Like, just... No. And the later chapters of them fucking too, we came to But yeah, I agree. It was more a a self-centered pursuit. She was like, what am I? And also, how can I leash my power? How can I harness my power? Mm -hmm. I have to go to the source to figure out how to use it. I think she Mm -hmm. knew from the start she could kill people because she was healing people to advance her success as a surgeon. I don't think she was doing it because she just could not allow patients to die on the table because she selected which patients to save with her gift. And it was always in contrast to some other doctor bossing her around. I think it was more like, gotta go home now so that I can get a real handle on this and do some damage. I do think that the Rowan that we see on screen is a lot more empathetic though, or at least she tries to push that out versus the Rowan in the book that was like, well, I'm a hero because I'm a surgeon. So worship me, suck my dick, you know, which that's not really what I get from this Rowan. I do feel like book Rowan would have crossed the first name off on that list and put her mom in that trial if she had been given. Right. Yeah. She's a fucking shark. That scene definitely humanized her a little bit where she refused to choose a name so and her kind of adoptive mom in general was used to humanize her in the show and the book speaking of the adopted mom there's a scene at the beginning where she's making martinis on her boat and her mom says something that brings me back to that like stupid boomer fucking uh capitalist ideology that's in the book she says oh you live on a boat like a dropout motherfucker you know how much it costs to moor a boat oh and in the book she had a house Annabelle. I can't imagine. Like, do you even know what a dropout is, bitch? <laughs> I didn't see her working. So, I don't know. <laughs> You know, she's a Mayfair. I also think that's interesting because in the book, they're not allowed to change their name. Like the women have to be Mayfairs their whole life, even the outside relatives and stuff. Yeah, what did you think about Boat Guy? Which one? The guy that she kept trying to convince to not go on dates and sleep with her on her boat. Why was he there? This man was a useless prop. (laughs) The only thing I can think of is that they were trying to find ways to like, I guess maybe more modernize her, like make her more empathetic, but still 
have probably a strong career and have her own life choices. And if she wants to fuck somebody, she's going to. And it's kind of like that, oh, the female empowerment of like, she can get sex whenever she wants to kind of thing. It was a very weird, what's the point of you? Like just coming in here. Yeah. Oh, do we want this because it's a sex scene or because it's actually going to be like doing something for her character? And I don't think it really did other than it just shows us that she's really pent up and horny. Yeah, I don't think it revealed the depth to what she was using relationships and sex for, I guess. She was in the book really kind of like succubus style stealing like energy from them, Mm -hmm. you know? And on the show, it's just like, oh, she has errant one night stands. That's kind of her thing. It was more than that, you know? She was like Mm -hmm. probing these guys like minds and Mm -hmm. souls the whole time they're doing it. So yeah, I think it took some of the nefariousness out of it and added just a little bit of, oh, she's just a slut. It's fine. But (laughs) she had a reason for her like slutty nature, you know? Yeah. So I feel like they just shoved it in there to be like, oh, by the way, in the book, she's she's a hoe, but that's not the point of the hoeing in the book. It Um, wasn't, yeah. I also think it's interesting in the book that she's like obsessed with hooking up with firefighters and police officers, salt of the earth, which those aren't. Uh, Okay, I'm not going to get into what cops are, but what's interesting about that is that is like the type of archetype that Michael is throwing off when he's growing up because his father's a firefighter and he's like disgusted that he's like this working class man and Rowan's out there, you know, with all... (laughs) But it's yeah. Michael that blows her mind. Oh. There was some good imagery in the book that I thought helped us understand what Rowan was looking for. She was really trying to suck some goodness out of people. I think she knew her inherent evil. But there was a section in the book where she's getting fucked by one of these firefighter guys and his like St. Christopher pendant is slapping her in the face like the <laughs> whole time. And I'm like, that's kind of perfect. Like his goody two-shoe symbol of Christianity and hope is smacking her in the face while he's fucking her and she's like internalizing this she's thinking about it she's like this guy's so good and oh a strong heart is beating i'm like yeah she really has a lot more predatory kind of vibe which makes her fit right in with the rest of the mayfairs honestly so i hate to jump back into the book but i just think it's interesting the way that all of their money is pretty much stolen by this fucker here so the only way you can get that privilege is by having some fucking bitch ass absurd ghost with like sweat lots of sweat still he's very you. sweaty he's a why sweaty so boy sweaty as a ghost. why would you choose to sweat you're gonna choose <laughs> right, a form right. you could like, choose I a can form, be anything but i can't stop sweating it's moist uncle that's your final form let's talk about Cortland a little bit i Ew. like the casting though i feel like this is the yeah. best casting that they did yeah. he's very greasy the fake tan i don't know if it's a fake tan actually it's probably a tan the just like rich southern gentleman vibe Mm -hmm. just really exudes from this man he does a great job Cortland is not alive during the time of Rowan in the book they switch a lot of stuff up here I'm not sure why they decided to have Deidre trapped on the porch and then freed by the random doctor I'm wondering about that too because I've watched through to the end and I don't understand why they did that storytelling wise I didn't catch it when I watched it but I watched the after thing and then I listened to the podcast this morning but when the doctor takes the necklace off of her that is symbolic of freeing Lasher so that's why Lasher shows up on the boat which he 
wasn't that chained in the book, so I'm not sure. It doesn't make much sense because technically Rowan always either saw him or enjoyed Mm -hmm. his power, which you can assume he's attached to her because of that. So they sort of give the necklace meaning and then nullify it and then say, oh, wait, but we need the necklace. So I'm not sure if they had leaned more into Rowan being his genetic match. I don't think they would have had to lean so heavily on the necklace as the thing that he sought as a portal to her, I guess, so to speak. But also with the genetic match thing, I don't even know if they're going to lean into that. Like, I haven't seen any hint of that yet watching the first season. I don't know what they're going to do next season. But they did call her the 13th witch. So they're insinuating that her power is stronger. And there's also insinuation later on that a lot of her power isn't tied to Lasher. But that ritual obviously didn't go the way that they thought it did either. So I don't know. Yeah, it's giving like... reverted Christianity vibes like Rowan technically is his daughter I mean he manifested her in a way to be born so gross number one so she's like his daughter his mother his lover and I guess he's the Holy Ghost (laughs) the other thing is again I didn't catch it with the mask on I was like did Cortland sneak in there like he does in the but it is supposed to be Lasher because they say that in the commentary does that mean that he's like yeah it's implied because in the scene where she's with whatever whoever the guy's supposed to be that she met at the party patrick or whatever yeah her eyes are doing the witchy thing she's like totally out of it so you're supposed to get the impression she's under the spell of lasher so i would assume that lasher induced that coupling for his own purposes now why would he do that to get rowan my question is is if he does it then that he do it every generation up is every time is he just like his own grandpa and great grandpa and great great grandpa and everything because he eventually you know ghost fucks rowan gets into the baby and that's how lasher is born and he is born becomes a full-grown man in like five seconds and starts fucking everything including his mommy this is the great, great literature you're not, here. You're not making me want to, <laughs> to enjoy the process of reading this book. I'm sorry. I guess to answer that question, because I have read the Queen of the Damned series too. Yeah, he is his own father for like <laughs> yeah. a millennia of generations. Well, that would explain why he looks like this then. I'm just sorry. God damn it. I'm so mean. Yeah, this. This is why biodiversity is so important, you guys. If you don't use biodiversity while you're evolving, you'll look like that. Why doesn't he have a fucking Habsburg jaw, though? Come on. They knew he wasn't scary, so they just had to make his facial hair really scary. They was like, this has got to be the scariest combos. They were like, mustache, "Ah!" too. It's the mustache, too. His forehead. It's all bad. Yes, he has a moon face. He's got to be a Cancer Rising. We can tell Cancer Rising here as well. So the very round face. Very round. So very symmetrical. (laughs) He kind of implies that like Rowan doesn't have a type and she does. So it's not that. Oh, God damn it. Oh, God. I just realized that Rowan's type is my type kind of. I mean, physically, at least tall, dark and handsome. I don't like the rapey uh, capitalist vibes, though of the men that she seems to pick. We're veering a lot into the book, so let's go back into the show. I'm sorry. Um, the vibes of the show. 
<laughs> yes, the rapey vibes of the show. Her powers start coming online, which just like in the book, she'd already killed a child mm. or injured a child, maimed a child, I don't know, on the playground as a little girl. I thought it was amusing how she held her shit together in the OR, but once he was attacking her ego and calling her out, she's like, fuck you. That's what I'm saying. Like, is she saving people or is she just wanting to one-up the head doctor? Why didn't she tell the kid not to play video games? You know, why didn't she, you know, act as a better example for the residents? She was kind of tripping. And although she was freakishly right about, you know, what was going on with the patient, I thought, yeah, she was kind of arrogant. She was probably freakishly right because she could see it in his brain and knew what was going on, even though the doctor right. was like, we can't tell. Well, she can. Maybe she's she not even aware. She has audacity, though. I'm like, girl, don't act like you stashed her hard. You used your witch power, okay? <laughs> she was in there like, I know because I'm so smart. And they're like, you know because Lashers in the room. She so kills people who were a threat to her. That's her first kill. The second one, well, I guess she didn't kill him. He was in the hospital. But the second one is more interesting to me. First of all, that this man pisses in front of her. Yeah. I lost my shit. I was like, what the fuck? And didn't wash his hands. Yeah. I know that would have been the end of the deal for me to be like you know what right. have a good day facility. yeah now she had perfected her skill by then she was ready to kill him but this man this man in this fancy suit this billionaire assumedly says the word rejigger oh, what yeah. the fuck while he's holding his cock yes also. he's like i just gotta rejigger things They're like can you not say rejigger like <laughs> i guess that was the point of her killing him we're supposed to be like oh yeah she's getting out of hand but he deserved it. So. Yeah. He was like, okay, you could kill him a little bit quicker. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. We'll let this one go. It's fine. You're doing the world a favor. You're I'm sorry. not a murderer, girl. I have issues with billionaires, so I don't think he would have even made it to pulling his dick out in front of me. But if he pulled his dick out in front of me, you're gone, brother. Like, I'm not playing here. If I have yeah. brain popping power, let's go. He was uh, well casted, yeah. though. Oh, he yeah. Was uncomfortable and creepy. Like, all of it, I was like, well, you're doing something that I don't like. That is like, there's something about yeah. those uncomfortable characters that are made to be uncomfortable that this, like, Anne Rice universe thing is doing really well. It's like when they oh, want yeah. you to be uncomfortable with somebody in, like, an unsettling way they're doing it well and he was one of them I was like I don't like you you're making me uncomfortable I'm gonna turn the volume down a little bit because I don't want to watch you sit there and urinate on screen <laughs> <laughs> that's true the creeps are are very creepy. yeah his hair was very slicked too but also did she kill him because he was a horrible creep and a menace to the world or did she kill him because he wanted her to take responsibility for someone else having to lose a spot for her yeah. mother and she refused to take responsibility it was fine when he was going to do it when someone else was going to pick a name from the list she was fine with that but when the responsibility and accountability fell to her, she was like, someone has to die. So I don't know. I'm still not necessarily feeling like even the TV Rowan is that great of a person, you know, even though she's saving yeah. people, but her reasons are all her own. I mean, it's yeah. definitely oh, personally yeah. motivated. She didn't kill him so he could further the foundation. I mean, God knows what happens to the those other 30 people after he died. True. I do think that there is a harshness to her and there's a calculatedness to her even in the show, but I still feel like maybe it's just being privy to her inner thoughts when you read the book. She's such a bigger shark in the book, I guess. My biggest question is, is like if I, within the span of a week, was in the room with two 
two men who had blood vessels bursting, the next scene would have been in you at the jail station. cell. Yes, like, exactly. you, would not, you would not still be walking free long enough for your mother to die like people would start asking questions mm-hmm. <laughs> about like how every yeah. man that you're alone in a room with just starts <laughs> having these random aneurysms going on it's like no yeah the season, the season would have ended there and we would have been done <laughs> i agree i was yeah. like well i guess at least they kept in the commentary about white privilege here it is because so. <laughs> the book yeah. i feel like that's all over the place i mean they, they hide crimes yeah. for years and years and decades I mean, just under money and white privilege. So that oh, yeah. I thought was a little bit fitting. Honestly, they got away with a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Patrick dying after the party and just being like carried out. And then they gaslit In Deirdre. Saying, and they just gaslit her. And we're like, oh, you don't even know that that was him. The priest says that to her. And it's, really? It's white privilege and it's fucking money. It's class yeah. privilege. I think that this show does a lot better job at kind of like critiquing them as rich people than the book does we'll put it that way that's an essay i want to write about the classism in this book i will say that the end of the episode ending in like rowan's birth the story of rowan's birth as Mm -hmm. ellie is dying and as you have this release of deirdre which is kind of the beginning of her death in this adaptation it's just this visual cycle that you see that's kind of turning like like the next generation is coming up and I want to see where they go with this. I feel like I'm not very satisfied with understanding where they're going to go. Even having watched the whole first series, I have no idea what they're doing next. I, I did think it was a very like nice visual representation of just like the back and forth. I think it's like for me who hasn't read the books and I had just watched the first episode and I'm still half asleep. I was like, oh, oh, they're doing the like the time genre hopping, which I kind of like understood because, you know, I watched tv and i understand what's going on but it was like a nice representation to kind of like tie those two things back together for like those who are new to this universe oh we're dealing with multiple generations here so i think Mm -hmm. i did think it was a nice touch that whole scene was a very nice touch with the song choices in the first episode were really great too like the music was phenomenal i do think it is a tall task to decide what decades of readers like best and show them that Mm -hmm. and also what newcomers who've never read it don't intend to will enjoy about the kind of storyline too. So that I wouldn't want to, you know, be tasked with having to do it. So no. Yeah. Monumental. Thank you for watching or listening to this week's episode of A Ghost in the Magazine. You can find us online at ghostinthemagazine.site or you can find us on Twitter at GITM Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nocturnical. You can find Mel on Twitter at Hedda underscore Mel. And you can find Al on Twitter at Maybe Mockingbird. Okay, bye!